Great Scott, Jesse! Do you realize that if we don't travel back to the year 1985 and dissect Back to the Future, then the entire space-time continuum could collapse on itself and we'll cease to exist? Whoa, this is heavy. Hello and welcome to this edition of Why Is It So Good, a video podcast where we break down classic movies, play some games, and ask the big questions to figure out just what makes these movies so special. Today I'll be joined by my friend Jesse. He's a content creator and a wildlife biologist. Let's get to it. Yeah, so like when, what's your relationship to the Back to the Future and when was the first time you saw it? So I will say that it's very possible that I've seen Back to the Future more times than any other movie ever in my entire life. It's hard to say for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised that that was the case. Do you have a number you want to put on that? Like above 20? Oh, definitely above 20. Um, I would say somewhere around 100. Oh, wow. Like it's basically saying, do, have I watched Back to the Future three times every year my entire life? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> maybe, maybe, all right, so we may be looking at like 150 or something like that, I don't know. So wh when was the first time you saw it? Oh, right. So I can't remember the first time I saw it, but uh, in terms of like my relationship to the movie, I would say it, it kind of just set the golden bar, the standard for what an adventure movie is. You know, it's like after that, it's like, all right, this is a good, you know, or amazing adventure sci-fi movie. If you hit that, you're a great movie, you know, which not that many movies do, but everything else is basically compared to this. Totally. So I, I'd say I'm like pretty similar on Back to the Future. I love it. I don't, I definitely don't watch it as much as you have. Um, and this was actually my first time in a while seeing it. And I was trying to like think about the first time I saw it. And I honestly couldn't. I feel like I was born having already seen Back to the Future. Like it's, exactly. It's just part of your... It's just there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just always been there. I do really remember going to Universal Studios as a kid and going on the ride. And that, oh. I feel like, gave me like Back to the Future mania. I don't think I did that. You never recall. went on the ride? No, I don't think so. Wait, what is what happens on the ride? So the ride, now it's gone. They converted it to, I believe, The Simpsons. Um, okay. And I haven't been on the new one. But basically... It's like a simulator. You hop in the DeLorean and Doc is talking to you and then the car is like shaking. And since it was like an older ride, it's like it was super violent. Ah. <laughs> super. And I remember it being like insanely intense. And then you have like the screen showing you like flying through time and whatnot. Damn, that sounds amazing. It was so, so good. And I remember that just like sweeping me up. <laughs> Back to the Future came out July 3rd of 1985. That must have been amazing July 4th, by the way. Um, people must have been... July 3rd, pumped. interesting, yeah. Um, it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, and Leah Thompson. In this 1980s sci-fi classic, small-town California teen Marty McFly is thrown back into the 50s when an experiment by his eccentric scientist friend Doc Brown goes awry. Traveling through time in a modified DeLorean car, Marty encounters young versions of his parents and must make sure that they fall in love or he'll cease to exist. Even more dauntingly, Marty has to return to his own time. Quite the predicament. Yes, it's a pickle, that's for yeah. sure. So let's jump into our first game of the day, Crossfire. The way we play Crossfire is I have a list of questions here. You can start, you can ask me the first question, and then it'll be my turn to ask you a question. Okay. All right, 
Whenever you're so, ready, begin. What is the best character? The best character is easily Doc Brown, but I'm not going to say Doc Brown. Okay. I'm going to go with a more interesting answer. Yeah, I think, let's hear I think, it. I think the best character is George McFly. Really? I think Marty's dad, yeah. I think he is sort of the glue that holds the movie together. And Interesting. he goes through so much and you connect with him on such a real level. Like he's such a sad sack character. He really is. You just see him and you feel so bad for him. And he easily could have been like a bad, like nerdy caricature, but there's something like really real and vulnerable about him. And you just want to like, shake him. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically like Lorraine McFly. And you see a helpless George, and you just can't help but fall in love with him. He's like a wounded deer. He's a wounded deer. Exactly. Did the power of love make Back to the Future, or did Back to the Future make the power of love? Well, that's interesting. So I actually read that, I think Robert Zemeckis said that the power of love, the media rollout for the song, was the best thing ever for the movie, because it came out like a month or two before the movie came out, and it was like a hit song. And it got people excited for the movie. And then the movie came out and then the movie blew up and then the movie carried the song for like way longer. So they kind of like fed off of each other. What if you like had to pick one or the other? The movie or the song? Yeah. I gotta go to the movie. That song's yeah. amazing though. It's really close. I mean, that song is, makes for one of the best moments in the entire, you know, trilogy. So... I think I'm going to go with the movie, though. I do agree with you. The song's such, like, an amazing tone setter. Like, yeah. you don't really know what's going on in that first scene. It's, like, fun and, like, goofy, but, like, you don't really know what you're getting into. And then that, the song just, like, hits, and you're like, this is amazing. Like, just rolling around the, the town just, like, feels amazing. It's basically a perfect movie moment. Yeah. You really 100%. can't do much better than that. How do you think Doc and Marty met? Okay. So yeah, people, people take such an issue with this. They like make such a big deal about it, but I think yeah. that the seeds are planted and there's a perfectly logical explanation how they met. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so obviously Marty's a musician. He's trying yeah. to, he's trying I to get I think this better. is exactly what I came up with too. Yeah, okay, let's so, hear it. So I think Marty was at like a music store or something buying some speakers and Doc, who was obviously already looking into building this crazy speaker system, sees this kid, he's getting ripped off, he's buying something that's like way over yep. expensive for not that great of quality. And he's like, hey kid, like I'm working on some stuff. Like if you want to be my guinea pig, play some music. Like Totally. Well, yeah. <laughs> my guess was that he was playing a show somewhere and Doc was like feeling his music. And he was like, hey kid, you know, if you really are interested in music, I have the <laughs> biggest amp that you've ever seen. Because... I don't think that Doc plays music. He has a, the most, the biggest amp I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, we know he's not he a musician. Did. Or he did. As far as we know, yeah, he's not a musician. Uh, so clearly there is the huge overlap. That's not just a normal amp. That is like the amp of, the amp of amps. Are you surprised more kids didn't die car surfing after this movie's release? Well, this is my question. Are you sure that a lot of kids didn't die car surfing after this movie's release? I wouldn't be surprised if that was a huge fad after this, and then a bunch of them started dying. They're like, well, maybe this wasn't the best idea. <laughs> I tried to do some Google searching on this. I couldn't find anything. Maybe it was swept under the rug by the, the, <laughs> the Zemeckis gang. Um, <laughs> by the skateboard industry. But they make it, in the movie, they make it look so safe. Like, I feel like all the cars in the all the cars in this town travel at like five miles per hour, and he's just grabbing on, and like no one's reacting to it. None of the drivers are like freaking out or swerving. Or just... it, it, it makes you wonder why more people aren't doing it. 
Who's the worst character? The worst character in the movie for me is Jennifer. And I, I think the actor does a totally fine job. Um, I think that every young boy is in love with Jennifer. Yep. But, and she's, she's also a good girlfriend. Like she's very supportive of, of Marty, but her whole personality is defined by Marty and how she's reacting to his situation. You don't really get any sort of sense of what's going on with her. No, she's pretty one tone. Yes. The only interesting part she really has is more in the second Back to the Future when she sees herself. Yeah, yeah. Besides uh, that, she's kind of just like a golden prize at the end to get back to. Yeah, totally. I, I, I was going to say, my worst character for the movie is the redhead in the end who tries to steal Lorraine from George. Oh. And throughout yeah. the entire movie, when it's just about to wrap up and be like, all right, everything's good. He just swoops and is like, nope. He's like I have one more, one more speed bump for you guys. He's like a nerd bully. Like, He's just laughing McFly. like a maniac the entire time. And she's screaming, somebody help me from this creepo. And he's just like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Like, really? Like, that is the weirdest thing ever. So, yeah, definitely worst character. Yeah, I, got, I have more thoughts on him later. But, he's um, great at what he does, but... He's definitely... It's so frustrating because, like, George has is, George is overcome so much. And, like, but still, that kid Right there. The in. last second when you think you're safe. All right, where slash when would you time travel in the last 30 years if you could? This is really tough. This is tough. Because <laughs> there's a lot of weird times to go back to. Uh, but I just think the one thing that I can 100% get behind is going back to Woodstock. I'm not, I'm not trying to change any major events. Like, I feel like I've seen enough but Woods, media. Woodstock's, Woodstock's like 70 years ago. 70? Woodstock was in, the, was in the 60s. It was in the 60s. You're right. It's not within this 30 is, years. This is from like, from oh, like 1990 no. is when you have to choose from. Your answers are really limited here. Wow, I wrote this question too. <laughs> All right, let me, let, me, let me add a caveat to make it a little bit more uh, doable. If you could go back to any... No, no, I'm, I'm ready to answer this. Okay. <laughs> I'm going... I just got this off the top of my head. All right. I, I'm thinking about this because I've seen this, this song come on the radio a few times in the past few days. Okay. I'm going to the music video shoot, Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's a pretty good one. The excitement on that set must have been so palpable because Do you everyone, think? Everyone knew what? she was about to explode. Did they know that, though? Did they really know that? Or were they like, what the are we dancing to? <laughs> Hit me, baby, one more time. Is this like, like an abusive like, relationship going on here? I don't know if they knew that, what it, what, that they were about to be a part of history. What did that song even mean? <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what it means. I don't, think that, I don't think that song would fly in today's era. No, no, definitely No chance. Not. But it seemed so innocent at the time. Like, even us saying that, because we were born younger, like... I didn't even process what that song was about. It's a, it's a classic blackjack song to sing when you go to the casinos. All right, let me tell you mine. Okay, okay. All right, so mine, I, I kind of, I, I couldn't pick just a place and time from the past 30 years. So I picked something in the movie slash television realm to okay. be a part of in the past 30 years. I would want to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple, trying to get through that set. And what's his, Omek, is that his name? Olmec, yes. Olmec, he was right? The, the stone figure. And, and what, what do you, you have to get the, what were those things called? Do you remember? 
They were, I don't remember the names. I mean, little golden like, monkeys or something. Yeah. Well, there was like artifacts and then you got like pendants that you had to yeah. put together. Yeah. That's where I want to go. I want to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple and kick some butt and come home with a win on that. I admire your confidence because I would be so terrified of my childhood just being ruined of me going on Legends of the Hidden Temple, falling in that like foggy water in stage one and just being done and like not being able to live with the devastation for the rest of my life. Well, I think though the, the hardest part would be the, the being traumatized from those, those crazy like tribal dudes sneaking up and scaring the bejesus out of you. The Temple Guards were horrifying. They were horrifying. Horrifying. I mean, that's one of the, like, the best shows ever. Do you think we'll see time travel exist in our li lifetime? Well, I mean, we can go down a pretty uh, big black hole here, yeah. unintended. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, time travel is possible right now, right? I mean, so if you, for example, if an astronaut flew up to space or whatever, and, and he was a million miles away from Earth, but orbiting Earth, time would go slower for him. But traveling to the past, I don't think that's possible. I don't think it's ever gonna happen. And traveling to the future with like a car or something, uh, I also don't think that is definitely not gonna happen in our lifetime. I okay. mean, if it ever were to happen, wouldn't we know, wouldn't somebody have come back here and claim that they were a time traveler from the future? Would they want us to know? Okay, well, let me ask you this. If you had a time machine, when would you go back to? I already said, Britney Spears, 1990s. <laughs> That's what you think. The correct answer is November 5th, 1955, at the Pine, Twin Pines Mall parking lot. Okay, that's, or 1985. And people went there, I think I read, to see, wait, no, I don't know how they went there. Oh, no. When do they say, when do they travel in the future to? Like... Uh, I don't know. Some I people forget, went. I forget that it was recent. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's recent. It's like within the past few years, and people went to this place in time where he was going to go, and nothing showed up. So tough break. Yeah, it's tough. tough. Break. I, at some point, maybe we can like rip a wormhole through time and go at least to the future. Like I could see us being able to travel to the future, but not the past. Right. Which would be devastating for those first few people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. They can find happiness. Yeah. Never um, know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they don't settle in the future. I don't think anyone does in these movies, but that's, a, that's another discussion. Would you have donated to the Save the Clock Tower Lady, or do you want a working clock? I Those are the clock. same thing. That's the same question, though, isn't it? No. Oh, I thought she was asking for money to save the clock tower. So yeah, I save she the clock tower to make it work again. Oh, is that it? I don't know why. I always saw her as like a historical preservationist and she was like getting money to stop them from fixing the clock. No, it was already stopped. You don't need any more money to keep it broken. Uh, so there's no opposition here. No, I don't think there's any opposition. I thought. Well, I, I guess thought you could say, would you give money to the clock tower lady if she came up to you? She she's was a, very she's aggressive. aggressive. Yeah, I don't, I don't Marty, like the tactics. She's Marty was about that. to go in for a kiss and she came up and like was like, whoa, 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 give me a nickel. Yeah. I, my tax dollars are paying for that clock tower. I'm not giving this lady <laughs> any money. I don't even know what her affiliation is with the town. Too aggressive. Would this movie have been better with dinosaurs? Okay, I know what you're going to say to this. I'm saying a hard no. One of the reasons this movie is so great is because it barely even needs any CGI, any special effects. It, it works basically right now. You can watch it, and it doesn't look that dated even. No, you know, the only parts really like lightning things on the lightning car, stuff but, and yeah. you know when the car's like going back in time but even that's not that bad it still looks we're cool talking, yeah if we're talking about dinosaurs we're, we're not talking about like 
2020 dinosaurs. We're talking 1985 dinosaurs, you know? So we're talking yeah, full-on animatronics, part. not moving very far or well or anything. I think it would take away from this story. I think it's a very person-driven story. Uh, so I'm going to say no. It would just distract. Interesting. I actually do agree with you. I, like, really? Watching it, yeah. Obviously, I love a good dinosaur movie. Um, but I love how sort of like grounded and character based it is. And I was surprised I had forgotten. They kind of like tease that not the dinosaurs, but they tease him going back to like see Jesus on his birth. Right really? Before, yeah. When Doc is like deciding where he's going back in time the first time, they talk about going to like uh, December 25th, year zero. Well, it's interesting. I read that uh, when Christopher Lloyd was asked, uh, where he would have wanted to do to go in time he said that he was pushing pretty hard to make him and marty to do another movie even to go back in time to ancient rome oh that would have been cool been kind of interesting still would have been very uh character driven it's the dinosaurs there it's tough because like you want like it's definitely kind of a shame that like they only made the three and they didn't go to some zanier times they could Um, have done a lot of movies yeah but there is something really nice about like it closing out at three and doc getting like his closure but yeah well robert zemeckis said that i mean he still has the rights to the movie he says that there will never be another sequel for as long as he lives so at least for the next you know someone someone at uh who i don't know what studio that is if it's universal or something they're they're counting down the days they're counting down the days they're every day somebody's going to robert zemeckis's house hey man how's it going (laughs) yeah doing all right okay (laughs) (laughs) just checking see you tomorrow (laughs) <laughs> uh, if you had to reboot the film today who are you casting as doc and marty okay so if i had to reboot it not saying it should be marty i'm gonna age up a little he won't be a okay. high school kid he'll be like either like a postgrad or like a young young working man okay i'm saying my duo is donald glover aka childish gambino as marty okay and jeff goldblum as doc I think that that duo would have an electric chemistry. It's totally believable. And Jeff Goldblum's entering this like older phase of his career. And golden years. Yeah, the golden Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think like their chemistry would be crazy. And I think that um, Donald Glover has that same quality Michael J. Fox had, where like he plays right. innocent really well, and like right. just like this gee whiz wonder. I would buy that. Yeah, I would love to see that personally. That, that would be fun. Uh, I just had this idea when you said that. What if they have the next one be Marty, still by Michael J. Fox, is the old guy, and the kid is Doc's kids, uh, Jules or Vern, the kids that he had in the end of the third oh. one, and they were the team. Team. Anyway, just an idea. That but is this, is, this is what I came up with. I was doing some, some reading on the internet, and I saw an idea that was kind of exciting. What if you had Robert Downey Jr. as Doc and Whoa. Tom Holland as Marty? So kind of a throwback to the Avengers. You know they have good chemistry. Yeah. You know it's kind of that dynamic already. That's uh, really good. I think that that would make investors easier for them to pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, I'm not that crazy about it personally. I saw a lot of people talking about it. I, I want somebody a little bit zanier than uh, Robert Downey Jr. Someone... I don't know. I mean, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. can be z- pretty zany, but he I can. think Tom Holland is, like, is a special strain of zany. He's a very special strain. He's a hard pick. 
Uh, I do. Tom really Holland like Tom is like Holland. is Michael J. Fox though of this generation. He is. I never thought about that. Um, yeah. He's like spot on, but he just feels he's, like he is Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he. You could put him in there. It would have been the same movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Doc Brown, hero or maniac? Well, he's definitely a maniac, but he's also definitely a hero. He's obviously crazy. Uh, he was almost been in an insane asylum, or he was in a different dimension. Uh, did you notice that his his business just says on the side of his car, uh, like Brown Services, Scientific Services, twenty four hours? I did. I did. What does that even that. mean? What is he doing? How is he making money? He's a generalist. It's scientific I mean, services. He's probably he's probably shaving off a little plutonium and selling it on the side. Definitely, we can definitely get into that later. I have a funny uh, thing with the spinoff section. Okay, and that, that's why that's why I'm arguing he's a maniac. He's obviously a genius, a total genius, but he has been grossly irresponsible with some of the decisions he's made. He agreed to build a bomb for terrorists and that's then true. stole and then stole the plutonium from them. Like, how is this ending well? What was his plan here? You're right. That is insane. That's absolutely insane that he actually met terrorists and said, I will build you a nuclear bomb. He sought them out. Like, what What weird uh, underground... And this is the 80s. Like, what do you do? Put a class, like a weird classified ad in the paper? Exactly. How did that happen? What is going on here? He's shady, but he's Very genius. <laughs> yeah. Is this movie offensive to Libyans? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Crossfire. Thank you for playing. And now... We're going to move on to the big questions. So what genre is Back to the Future? Pick two of the following. Sci-fi, comedy, action, adventure. First and foremost, I would just say adventure. This is like the quintessential, this is one of the most classic adventures or just stories of our lifetimes, you know? In terms of how big it's blown up, how many people are love it and just yeah. idolize it completely. Like, there's few films that have like driven this type of fanhood. Uh, and then second, I'm gonna say sci-fi, because when you really think about it, right? So it's a, a time travel movie, classic sci-fi, you know, genre or tool. Can you even name wh what would the next best time travel movie be? So the next best time travel movie. It's tough. Let's let's just think it, first. First, like what is in the running for that? All right, let me let me throw out some some movies that I was googling. All right. Yeah. Terminator Two. Okay. Or, yeah. or Terminator One. And Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Terminator One and Two. They're up there. Groundhog Day. I saw that as Rolling Stone's number one time travel movie. I, I don't know if that's it. really counts as a time travel movie. It's a time loop. It's a time loop. He's not traveling in time. He's really just staying in one place. It's almost the absence of traveling. It's almost in time. the opposite. Yeah, he's not traveling through time. But he is. He is jumping backwards a day each time. I guess. Um, okay. Butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> okay. I, I like love that movie. Loki. That's a good movie. It's a love, good movie. Like it's obviously it was a really good movie. Future, but I was like engrossed in that movie when I saw it. No, that movie's great. I'm not harping on that. On, on that, but. We're comparing best of time traveling movies, like yeah, no, like none of these are like oh, classic time travel movie. Except Terminator. Terminator is like its own thing. Terminator leans very heavily into the action. That's like you would say is Terminator is the action movie. Yes, that, that has it's an action movie that contains time travel. That contains yeah, it's not a time travel movie. Like if so, if I said name another time travel movie besides Back to the Future to a hundred people, I don't think many of those people would say. Terminator. It's tough. Like when 
when I thought of this originally, like nothing came to me like immediately. Like I had to dig for those other movies. Yeah. Are those the same three that you've come up with? I thought oh, 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 I have one more really good one. Okay, this one actually holds a candle for actual time travel. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right, right. That is time travel. Weirdly, I have never sat down and watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I've really? Seen, like, bits on TV. I definitely need to dive into it. Okay, at that some has point. to be a movie review. That's a classic. I was thinking X Men Days of Future Past. Okay. It's not like a classic classic. And that to me, it's like a superhero movie with time travel. Yeah. Um, but I really like it. It's got a lot of like Back to the Future y um, elements to it. Okay. And then I have a couple deep cuts. There is this movie called um, Time Crimes um, about this guy who's like waking up and like figuring out what is going on. And you see that there's like some element of time distortion going on and you're like figuring out. It's really good. It's like a Spanish movie. Okay. Um, definitely recommend not Back to the Future, but like it's awesome. I'll check it out. I haven't heard of it, though. I mean, like there's not that many contenders even here, though. No. Which I was shocking. You would think that this would be like a money genre that a lot of people would have invested in after 1985 back to the future it's tough and also like back to the future covered so much ground it's really hard to make one and not rip off back to the future yeah yeah it would be tough what would your time machine vehicle be if it couldn't be a car mm, time machine vehicle what about doctor who is does he time travel with the phone booth I feel like there's some. I've never really I don't know, Doctor dug into well. it. I think yeah. he's like flying through space and time, okay. like interdimensional travel. Okay. Oh, Austin Powers. Is that kind of a time travel movie? I don't he, think he, no, he's not he really time travel. He travel in time. He gets frozen. Yeah, he gets yeah frozen. he just gets frozen. That's like its own genre. Yeah, that, there's plenty of that. That movie American Pickle just came out where Seth, or Seth Rogen plays himself and he gets, he's like this old school old Jewish guy in the 20s or something, and he falls okay. into a vat of pickle brine and and gets uh, frozen until, oh. like, pre present day. But yeah, I don't consider that time travel. My that's... favorite from that genre is Demolition Man. Demolition Man, yeah. That's, Wesley Snipes. I, I love Demolition Man. Taco Great Bell. Movie. Yeah. And the best was, how, how do you wipe your butt with these three shells? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think Terminator and Terminator 2 are the only ones that, like, even are in the conversation and they might be as good movies, but not as good time travel movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are Doc and Marty the best slash most iconic movie duo of all time? This is really tough. I say tough. absolutely yes though. You say absolutely yes. You could say that like maybe Batman and Robin are more iconic. Yes. Um, but in just movies, they don't hold a candle because I don't think they've ever had like that slam dunk Batman and Robin movie. Well, who comes close? Let's try to name some. I, I could think of a few. Okay. Okay. So going way back before we were even alive, right? There's like the whole Abbott and Costello, who's on first or who's on third or whatever, right? But that's kind of before our time. So we'll just leave that there. Yeah. Uh, okay. A few other people I came up with though. Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. They're great. They're great. They're really good. Um, I got a couple. Uh, okay, all right, wait, let's hear. So a couple of like, the classic ones I came across are Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. I've never watched Thelma and Louise. Okay, I'm sure yeah, it's a wonderful either. movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, um, super famous. I've also never seen it. That one I, I do want to see. Okay. Um, but again, I don't have any context You don't have for kids it. dressing up as Butch Cassidy or Thelma and Louise for Halloween, though. No, no. Okay. 
And outside of that, I don't know any duo. Like, some of the ones that I really like are actually Step Brothers, Neil and Brennan. That's a yeah. good duo. Yeah. Not as iconic. No. But great. Yeah, they're great. Is there anyone who really comes All right, close? Wait, I have to go to Google because I found one. What's the rules for Googling during this? You're limited to three Googles per episode. Would okay. you like to use your first Google on this? Oh, yes, I would like to use my first Google. Google away. Google googly. <laughs> Thanks, Google. All right. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, I mean, they're iconic. I think, I think that was a different time. Like, yeah, I feel I like they faded. Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. What about Woody and Buzz? They're a really good duo. I feel like they're in some ways part of a greater ensemble, but they're they're a great duo. They hold down that franchise pretty strong. It's interesting, like in that movie, they do spend a lot of time apart because like Buzz gets taken away, but so That's does true. Back to the Future. Back to the Future is a lot of just Marty. That's true. Oh, oh, this is a good one. Riggs and Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon. That's a great one. That might, that's probably my number two. That's a good one. They're, 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 they're classic. Yeah, they're like fire and ice. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting the dynamic between like Doc and Marty because Doc, like Marty doesn't have that crazy of a memorable of a personality. He's just super likable. Yeah, he really, yeah, totally. Like Riggs, Riggs and Murtaugh, I guess you could say that uh, Murtaugh's Danny Glover, I think. Yeah. Um, I guess they're kind of the same where like he's Marty, he's like the anchor and Riggs is like the madman in the same way that Doc's is the Doc is the madman and Marty's like his anchor. Yeah, I guess I could see that. It'd be a similar kind of chemistry going on there. Yeah. Except, honestly, except I mean, Murtaugh wants to kind of kill uh, Riggs at first, but they end up yeah. loving each other. Yeah, Marty and Doc are just cool from the start. They have such a nice relationship. Yeah, and they're, like, they're on cloud nine the whole time. The whole thing, you care for their friendship so much because, like, Marty just wants to save Doc's life. <laughs> All he wants. All he wants to do is to, to make it right. Which of the following movie franchises would you most like to have seen with Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox? A, Spider-Man. B, It's kind of what we were getting at before. Exactly. <laughs> B, The Mighty Ducks. C, Ant-Man. Or D, Toy Story. Okay, let's see. You know what I would love to see? Doc as the captain of the hockey team for the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. I don't even know what direction he would go in with it. Obviously, Michael J. Fox would hit the game-winning goal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that would just be fantastic, right? Doc yeah. as, a, as a hockey coach. I just felt what's like... The, what's the coach's name in that movie again? Uh, Bombay, Gordon Bombay. Bombay, yeah. yeah. Doc Bombay. Doc Bombay. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like Michael J. Fox fits so perfectly in like the tone of the Mighty Ducks. That's a great answer. I also really see Spider-Man like I just see Michael J. Fox also like he just is Spider-Man. He is Peter Parker. He's Peter Parker. He's Tom Holland. He's a likable high school kid that is just happy and can't be beat and just yeah. wants to help. So those are the big questions. Thank you. Thank you for diving in. So I want to share some fun facts about time travel. sort of the, the origins of the first time travel stories. What led us to Back to the Future? So the first one I came across in my deep Wikipedia research is Memoirs of the 20th Century, written by Samuel Madden. It's about a guardian angel who travels back to the year 1728 with letters from 1997 and 1998. It was written in 1733. Really? What did he think 1998 was going to be? 
I don't know. Do you have any idea that there's going to be Air Jordans everywhere? He was warning people about Y2K. That would be an interesting thing to hear. What a guy from the 1700s thought 1998 was going to be. Because we were really off, right? I mean, geez. In 1985, I think they traveled in 2009 in Back to the Future. Something like that, or like 2015. We thought we'd have flying cars by then. Uh, And, I mean, just holograms and robots. We have a little holograms. There was Tupac. (laughs) That was just 30 years off, and that was totally off. Totally wrong. Obviously, Car. Everybody still wants their flying car. No, we're, we're a huge disappointment. <laughs> We've done nothing. All right, so after that, we have Alexander, son of Philip of Macedon, I believe it's called. I can't even pronounce the name. The narrator, this is written by Alexander Veltman in 1836. The narrator rides to ancient Greece on a hippogriff, meets Aristotle, and goes on a voyage with Alexander the Great before returning to the 19th century. Isn't that Bill Ted's excellent adventure? It might be. I'll have to see it. Alexander the Great is in it, I think, or it's Julius Caesar or something. Yeah, I feel like that's like that's almost like a subgenre of the time travel genre. Is that like wish fulfillment of like being involved in like major events? Totally. And that's something like Back to the Future just totally stays away from. Wait, which? What time period would you go if they're making a fourth Back to the Future? They said, "All right, Andrew, what years or you know era should we go back to? What would you say or forward to?" Woodstock. <laughs> oh, you would say Woodstock for your answer for for Marty and Doc. Yeah, I want to see Woodstock. I don't know what the I don't know what the challenge. It's more of a it's more of like a you know Richard Linklater, the guy who made Jason Confused. Yeah, it's more of like a chill weekend with Marty and Doc. Not a lot. Oh, not a lot goes wrong. They're just trying to have oh, a good time. Oh, okay. Like so it's not back. like an action adventure movie. This is more of just like a pleasant viewing experience. Yeah, they change it up. It's about like they grow a little more emotionally, like maybe Marty's Marty's growing up and uh, they want to have well, like one wild weekend together. What about Marty going back in time to promote his music career? To like he takes like Chuck Berry song and whoever else's song, all the Beatles songs, and he goes back in time. Uh, I think that. they did that in a Hot Tub Time Machine, another another time travel we didn't Classic. talk about. That's a yeah, good one. kind of yeah, kind of similar. He, I think he sings like um, that that song by uh, uh like it's that eighties not- rock song. No, it's it's the Black Eyed Peas song. Doesn't he sing the oh, Black Eyed Peas right, song? Right. Come in, come in, and come in, come in, and do, do, do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the one. He, out of all the songs to pick, I mean, I guess it was a big song, but that yeah. Was a, that was a great choice. Oh, yeah. So that in 1843, and these are not the only time travel. These are just some of the big ones as we go on. 1843, Charles Dickens drops a Christmas carol. Big time travel story. Okay, yeah. Sort of a different style of time travel. Scrooge right. Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of his former business partner and the ghosts of Christmas, Christmas past, present, and yet to come in order to teach him the consequences of his selfish ways. So this is like the time travel where you can't actually do anything. You can right. just see. The worst type of time travel. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of this uh, genre. No, I mean... It takes away all the consequences. And the final one we'll talk about is in uh, 1881. This is the first time travel with a vehicle. This is called The Clock That Went Backward by Edward Page Mitchell, which appeared in the New York Sun in 81. Aunt Gertrude's antique 16th century clock when run backwards by two boys is found to reverse the flow of time. This enables yeah. the boys to time travel and participate in a short historical adventure in which they help to relive the 16th century Spanish siege of Leiden. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
I wouldn't want to relive a siege. That sounds like an awful choice. Yeah, that's tough. But <laughs> unless they were like, good. preventing a war, or like maybe they needed to flip it, but I don't think that's what happened. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, by the way, you never said what your um, my vehicle. vehicle would be for a time travel if you had to choose one. I'm going Razor Scooter. Razor Scooter. Okay, but how fast do you have to go on the Razor Scooter? I'm saying you got to hit 20 miles per hour. Okay. So, like, you got to find some That's really... not easy. You got to find a hill. It's like life or death. You either got to, like, rocket down a hill in San Francisco, or you got to get towed by a car or something. Oh, okay. Or you have to be a great inventor and add some rocket boosters to the back of it. That would work, too. You know, originally, the vehicle that they were going to use uh, instead of the car was a refrigerator. Yes, I had heard that. And then I heard it kind of made a comeback in the Indiana Jones, the, the newest one. Oh, where, Crystal Skull, yeah. Yeah, Crystal Skull, where originally there was going to be like an explosion and Marty went in a refrigerator and it didn't kill him and that's what like propelled him to the future or whatever. And they just used it for Indiana Jones instead. Good thing they didn't use it for the movie because that would have been way different. Way less cool. I mean, the DeLorean's so iconic on so many levels. And like, how does the refrigerator, like, how does it even make the jump like did they like they, the they dialed down out? the coldness down <laughs> yeah. to all the way zero so they, they start going spoiler warning ahead um if you have not seen back to the future for some reason please watch no further and go watch it immediately it's wonderful So now we're going to do a deep dive into sort of the three different acts of Back to the Future. We'll break down where we think the intro ends and when we get into the main conflict and then when we get into okay. the big resolution. And we'll just kind of go before, act by act. Before you get into that, with the spoiler you're about to give, that's one of the things about Back to the Future. It's when you meet someone, you don't normally say like, have you seen Back to the Future? It's normally like, how many times have you seen it? It's implied. But what about it's kids? It's kind of implied. What about kids? What, what about kids? Uh, useless. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. That's why, like, originally when, when you think, like, should they reboot Back to the Future? Because um, the kids aren't into it. Yeah, exactly. It's slow. It's great. But, like, I just think, it's like, for me, when you I think watch... it's slow? It takes its time to really get rolling, especially when you watch it for the first time, because you don't realize how important everything that's happening, like with his family and stuff is. Like, right. it's really good. It's good, like, character development and drama. But, like, you're kind of like, this is a time travel movie. Like, why do I need to know that his dad's but a nerd? See, that's, that's what scares me about a reboot, is that someone will think like you're thinking and go, Back to the Future's too slow. It has to be more CGI. It has to be faster, more action. And they'll just lose the like the beauty of it, and it'll just be another explosion movie, action movie, like every other one that's already been out. You definitely have to freshen it up and like not just remake it scene for scene, but you can't like go crazy and like make it that crazy time hopping adventure. Right. Um, I mean, you could, but then it's just a, a new movie. So maybe yeah. they just need to make more time travel movies. Maybe. So Act One. We meet Marty McFly, a skateboard, guitar, and Jennifer-loving high school student. Marty is friends with Doc Brown, a brilliant scientist who has recently stolen plutonium from a group of Libyan terrorists to complete the world's first ever time machine in the form of a DeLorean. We're then introduced to Marty's family, who's down on their luck, including his mother Lorraine, who's overprotective, maritally dissatisfied, and a bit alcoholic. George, Marty's clueless pushover father. Marty's dorky sister. 
and his brother, who works at Burger King, as well as Marty's incarcerated uncle, Jailbird Joey, who we don't actually see. We also meet Biff, Marty's dad's bully of a boss, who Marty resents for treating his father like dog doo-doo. Also, Marty is too afraid to send his music to a record company, his school principal's a jerk, and the clock tower was struck by lightning 30 years ago. That principal is just savage, man. He is not stopping. He just is waiting for Marty to call him a slacker wherever I, he goes. I think the principal is actually like the, the worst antagonist of the whole film. He's great. He's just trying to ruin people's future. Yep. He does not care at all. He just wants you to not ever be late. Yeah. And he just attacks him and his dad. And he's like categorizing them as people who are going to fail in life. But he's not realizing that he's also causing them to fail in life. Yeah. He's absolutely one of the best villains of the movie. <laughs> what a jerk. Okay. So then Doc Brown asks Marty to join him at the Twin Pines Mall where Doc discovers that his time machine works, and just before Doc can travel back in time himself, Doc is shot and killed by the Libyans. In order to free the Libyans, Marty jumps into the DeLorean and travels back in time to November 5th, 1955. Kind of something that's funny about that, though. When you think about it, that Doc invited Marty to come at, like, 1 or 2 in the morning to check out his invention. He didn't even know if it was going to work. I mean, chances are this isn't going to work. Can you imagine if Marty just got there and he's like, all right, watch this and then it kind of just drives like ah, i thought i was gonna go back in the future I thought it was gonna be a time travel machine and marty just be like you are insane but that, that's also why doc is a great scientist like he it's not necessarily that he wanted to like impress marty like he needed his cameraman there he that's needed true someone documenting he needed to document it, it. that's yeah, true so it's a test yeah he just right, happens to have he just nailed it because he's that good <laughs> oh so this is my big question sort of from act one Okay. Did Marty realize that he was about to travel back in time? No. And I still, yeah. Before, before, before 88 miles per hour? Yeah, exactly. No, because he says, can you guys do 90? <laughs> so he's, good, he's trying to do 90 miles an hour, you know, apparently driving straight into a little <laughs> yeah, newspaper camp. I don't know what his plan was there. <laughs> no. Uh, but no, I don't think he had any idea he was going to time travel back in time. Yeah, but didn't Doc say, like, didn't Doc lay out the whole, like, I know Doc is laying a lot on this kid, and he's just a high school student, yeah. but, like, he, I'm pretty sure he said, once it hits 88 miles per hour, like, this baby's gonna jump. Marty did not register that. Marty's late for classes, Marty's <laughs> a musician, all he cares about is music, okay? He's not thinking about the schematics and the lake with Jennifer. logistics of a time machine and 88 miles an hour. He's trying to get away from these Libyan terrorists. <laughs> By driving through a newsstand, I guess was his best, uh, his best strategy at that point. It's a lot. A lot was thrown at him right off the top. Oh, so this is my other question. Is Marty ever held accountable for the thousands of dollars he destroyed in audio equipment at Doc's garage? Oh, that's a good question. He, that's a, like, he doesn't even really care about that. When he breaks and destroys his amp, he's on the phone and he says, I'm late for school. <laughs> That's his reaction to that. It's not that he destroyed this, yeah, like $10,000, $20,000 amp. He just has to get to class. Because Strickland, I mean, can you make a case for this movie that his real drive to get through this movie is to avoid being yelled at by Strickland so he's not late for school? Is that Marty's real ambition here? To just get to class on time in the end? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's what sets him in motion. I mean, we know Marty's not very good with time because when he gets to the time machine to go back to warn Doc 
about the Libyans. He gives himself 10 minutes. Yes, that was... He gives himself Give yourself no an time. hour. No Give time. yourself all day. Go tell the like, cops. Tell the cops. <laughs> or 10 like, minutes. up on something. Like, get a hockey stick. <laughs> yeah, so clearly Marty, you know, he's not the most uh, logistical thinker. No, he's, he, he's reactionary. He's reactionary. Yeah, exactly. His heart's, the, his heart's in the right place, though. Yeah. All right, you ready for act two? Yes. Marty crashes the DeLorean into a farmhouse in 1955 and is mistaken for an alien. The DeLorean is broken, so Marty sets out to find the younger version of Doc Brown, but he inadvertently meets his father at a diner, discovers his dad was a peeping Tom, and saves his dad from being hit by a car, but unintentionally causes George and Lorraine to never fall in love. Lorraine becomes infatuated with Marty, Wait, just talk, talk about instant traumatizing moments right seeing your dad being a peeping tom as a peeping tom yeah as the first thing you like your first experience of him so i'm but, i'm so conflicted about that decision for him to be a peeping tom in the movie um yeah because on the one hand like i don't know i don't know if they would if you can roll if you can have a character be a peeping tom in a movie today is that okay um i know well, I remember like no. There's, I mean, there's a few things that this movie wouldn't be able. Yeah, definitely some things that wouldn't have passed. But like, I remember that movie. Like, it's definitely a trope for like the kid to like see a girl who's like his neighbor and like to like duck away from the window. Right. But he, but George takes it to a whole other level. He's literally like in this. He's risking his life with his binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> what is he th he, th he needs to get his life together he's literally risking his life to see lorraine undress he almost gets killed he's a creep but it does i do feel like it adds an extra like layer of character to him that he's not just this outright like wimpy nerd he also does have this like creepo side to him big time creep he's a, very creepy yeah he's a complex character he's not straightforward yeah, but but, like, that's the beauty of this movie is that when you see it, you don't think huge creep. Mm -hmm. You just think, like, oh, this guy needs help. I don't know. I just don't, like, equalize it to, like, if I saw that now in a movie, I'd be like, whoa, this is really yeah. creepy. Back then, it's just like, all right, let's start this adventure. Yeah. <laughs> like, a very different vibe for some reason. It just rubs off because it's from the 80s, I guess. And I don't know if it makes it better. A less creepy way. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, old, we're not seeing it through the same lens. But, like, I don't know if it makes it better or worse, the fact that we know that they're married in the future. <laughs> like, Guess like, that makes it better? It makes it better because we've already accepted that, like, he's, you know, they... No, it makes it worse. <laughs> he, this whole is he doing this a is, lot? It's, it's built on a lie. But is, is he doing this to a lot of women? Do you think this is the only... It's probably isn't the first time he's being a peeping Tom, right? I mean, he's climbing into a, a, a tree <laughs> over a street with huge binoculars. Like, I feel like he's built up an inventory and like climbing up these trees. It probably didn't start this way. He's probably been doing this for years. I also don't know, is it creepier that he does it to a lot of the girls in town or that he just does it to Lorraine? I think a lot. I think <laughs> if he did it to a lot, it would be way creepier because yeah. you can think of it this way. You could see him saying to his wife in the future, oh, I used to be a peep in time on you. And yeah. I don't think Lorraine would get, would, would file for divorce. I'll just say that. 
Yeah, I agree. If he doesn't cross any more boundaries, then he is right at that line of divorce. Oh, he's right at of it. He's divorce. right at the line. Like yeah. she, and especially if we're talking about like the regular future that we start the movie in, like she's already pretty dissatisfied with him. So if if yeah. somehow it were to be revealed that this was actually how they met, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. That's true. Do you think she's actually dissatisfied with him, though, or just with life in general? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think George is the root of her problems. I think that him getting pushed around by Biff takes a huge toll on the whole family. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the fulcrum of their entire interdimensional destiny. Biff, he is next-level bully because he has literally ruined this entire family's life. Yeah, he's a great bully. I mean, I even read that uh, the reason Tom, what's, do you know what the actor's name is? Tom Kinnon or something? I do. Would you the like actor to that plays him. <laughs> I have two Googles left, right? Yeah, two Googles left. All right, let's use my other one. All right. Thomas Wilson. Hmm. So he actually said that he's such a good bully because he was bullied as a kid. This is a great job. He nails it. Yeah, he really does nail it. And it's weird because like there's not a ton of dimension to Biff. Like, he's no. not like Thanos or something where, like, you see where he's coming from. He is just hard, but you're scared yep. of him and you believe oh, him. Yeah. He's not like, like, obviously everyone in this movie at times is, like, kind of hamming it up, especially in the past. But, like, you really believe him. You don't feel like oh, he's, yeah. like, taking it too far or, like, playing to the camera. No, you feel scared for Marty when, you know, there's those scenes where Biff is just slowly getting taller and taller, like looking down on him. You're like, oh, geez, this is not going to go well. Yeah, especially the first scene when we meet Biff in Marty's house. Like, oh, yeah. You feel like something's going down there, like when Marty oh, like, yeah. kind of challenges him. Totally. So, Lorraine becomes infatuated with Marty, a.k.a. Calvin Klein, and that makes Great us moment. all feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they have to pay calvin klein for that or did calvin klein pay them i think you can use it freely maybe calvin klein paid for the ad i actually read fun fact in other countries where different brands are bigger they used different brands so i think in in italy really yeah in italy it was like levi really yeah interesting marty then finds doc who says there isn't enough plutonium in 1955 but they could get the DeLorean working with the help of a lightning strike, which will hit the clock tower at 10.04 next Saturday. Unfortunately, Marty is disappearing from his existence unless he can get his coward father to win over Lorraine. George finally gets the courage to ask Lorraine out, but is interrupted by Biff. Marty trips Biff and skateboard surfs his way to victory, but Lorraine becomes even more in love with Marty. Marty that, begrudgingly agrees to go- That didn't work very well for him. No, it really backfired. He was totally infatuated. What a dream. <laughs> yeah, that moment, you're like, oh, there's no coming back from this. Nope. She's hooked. <laughs> Marty begrudgingly agrees to go to the Under the Sea dance with her. Marty then plans to get handsy with Lorraine in his car at the dance so George can save her and make them fall in love. Unfortunately, Biff interrupts their non-makeout sesh, locks Marty in the trunk of a car, and proceeds to force himself onto Lorraine. And that is the yeah. end of Act 2. Yeah. That's a pretty heated moment. You don't realize that as a kid, that that's like actually like attempted rape. Yeah, I think that's another part of the movie that is very like questionable to include. Like it's weird because 
he is the bad guy. Like, we're not supposed to sympathize with what he's doing, but for a movie that definitely seems to be, like, heavily for kids, I feel like it's a really harsh subject matter to throw Wait, in this there. is, like, another moment where, as a kid, you don't... It's not the same thing. Like, so when I was a kid, I was like, oh, he's roughing her up, just like, you know, he's roughing up Marty McFly. I was like, no, not exactly. It's really it's bad. way worse. And it makes me think... Um, I think I have this to talk about at the end of the movie, but whatever. At the end of the movie, we're like, even though George is Biff's boss, or like he's employing Biff, it feels weird to me that they even let Biff around them after what he did to Lorraine. Well, they're pushovers. That's the situation. Oh, oh, you mean in the future when yeah. they're all like wealthy? And yeah, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, that is a questionable call. Maybe but they even let him be around. Maybe George like likes like the psychological torture aspect of it, but like. Well, it's interesting too, though, because right, it's it's not that we don't know how much he's involved. Because I, I originally I was like, was he like their personal assistant or butler or just working for them? But then I realized it's actually he has an automotive detail company. That's why he's there to wax the car. Like it's not just like his maid or something. Like how I don't know how often George McFly is getting his car waxed by Biff. But that's like... That BMW's got to stay stay on point. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Could that be like a way of, of George McFly getting back to him? Be like, hey, wax my car every week. But maybe it's like a power move by George to like be like, eh, yeah, you're my servant now. If it, if it was me, I'd just be like, I'm never speaking to this person again. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how good his car waxes are. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my question. Are Lorraine's love patterns problematic? You know, I've heard a lot of people say, obviously, she's a psycho. You know, trying to get with her son and going after this helpless guy uh, just because he's helpless. But when you think about it, why is this any worse or different than, what's it called, the Nightingale effect or something, when there's a yeah. soldier who gets hurt in battle and he's helpless in bed and the nurse falls in love with him? Yeah, I think Doc Brown actually references it in the movie. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. But nobody gets on those nurses for liking a helpless guy. No, but I think I think where where it becomes weird for me is that it seems like it's happening again and again with her. First, there's the first incident where like where originally George had fallen from the tree and she had to like nurse him back to health, right? Yes. Yeah. Then it happened. The same thing repeats again, but with a different person. Um, so it proves that it was like the situation, right. not necessarily the person, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then it gets reinforced when Marty defends her against Biff in the diner and car surfs and all that. Yeah, but she likes him at that she point. Does he's not helpless. Like she does already like him. That's like a power move by Marty, and she's turned on by the power move, which is like kind of the opposite. A little bit, but she's starting to like be more receptive to George at that moment. But then this instant that Marty saves her, it's like, oh no, this is the, this is the one. But also, when she is receptive to George, though, it's because he's coming in and telling her, "You're my destiny." Yeah. So that's not like a helpless move. That takes like a lot of like gumption, right? And she was like, "Oh, okay." That is true. That is true. But then also, when George saves her against Biff, then she ultimately falls for him. Falls in love with him again. So she's actually likes it more when there's more a powerful guy than a helpless guy. There's more times where she's attracted to that, you could almost say. And there's only one time when she's attracted to a helpless person, and that's when they get hit, fall out of a tree and getting hit by a car. Yeah, so there you go. But I do think that 
this movie might give kids a bad sense of like how you fall in love with someone. I think movies oh, in absolutely. general kind of do that. Yeah. Like, it always has to be this big thing, whether it's like this huge moment where you save them or it's like um, you walking up to them and being like, you're my destiny. Like what happened to just like casually getting to know someone and like, no, 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 you have to get the town bully dumped with a, a truck of manure and then right after the sunset, giving like the little girl her skateboard back saying, see you later, folks. That's how you get a girl. No one else deserves love in this world. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just feel like it's going to result in people just like picking on each other and like <laughs> trying to make these big moments. This is like why people get into bar fights. Exactly. My other question is, this is more of a comment than a question. Marty's plan was weird. <laughs> what do you mean? When Lorraine ultimately falls in love with him after the manure scene, his, his reaction, his big idea is that I'm going to get handsy with my mom and then you're right. going to save me. I just right. feel like there were, like, and we've already talked about how Marty's kind of a space case and he's real reactionary, but like, I think he could have tweaked it. I think he could have done some workshopping on that That's one. That's a good point, right? So you need a big moment for George to stand up to Marty. Why does it have to be getting handsy? No, try and rob her. <laughs> right, try to rob her. You could be just dancing with her. Well, because she would like dancing, I guess, with him. It would have to be a moment where Lorraine wants to be saved from Marty. Yes. Exactly. So yeah, I guess get, being robbed would make a lot of sense. Verbally accosting her. Yeah, maybe he's just abusive. He's tearing her down. Verbally abusive. Right, exactly. Maybe throw like a bucket of blood on her prom dress. Maybe or, like he, traumatize her. Maybe, or, like, maybe he gives, this would be interesting, if he in the car confesses that the only reason he almost got run over was because he was peeping Tom on her. Wow, that would be interesting. <laughs> he kind of workshops that a bit and sees what her reaction will be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Why does he have to be handsy with her? That doesn't make any sense. It pushes some boundaries. And like, I think that this is a sign of like a good movie that it's sort well, of like riding okay. the edge. Okay. But they are really riding that edge of like okay, morality. Wait. And I do think, I do think the really nice moment is when that kind of like clears the movie of all its weirdness is when she does actually kiss Marty and has that weird moment where she's yes. like, you're like my brother. Thank God. That like saves Yeah, that really it. saves, that yeah. saves a big time. Yeah. That's my, that's another big vote for Lorraine not being crazy. She has good instincts. That's true. That's really true. Yeah. <laughs> that, that scene is like so clutch to the movie. Yeah. That's a very necessary uh, release. All right, so let's dive into our big finale, Act 3. Okay. George steps up to the car and is surprised to find Biff in the car instead of Marty. Biff tells him to leave, but George finally gets some courage and punches Biff out. George and Lorraine then enter the dance together, but George still doesn't have the courage to kiss her, especially without music to set the mood. <laughs> and the band's guitarist has hurt his hand while freeing Marty from the trunk. Marty steps up and plays guitar in front of the whole school. How does that happen, by the way? How do you injure your hand so badly you can't play guitar from trying to open a trunk with a screwdriver? I mean, what is he doing with his hands in there? I, they showed it. I, I, I bought it. Like the, I feel you like, bought it? Yeah, I feel like the screwdriver kind of like slips and like slashes him. Okay. And like, I mean, you've played some guitar. I haven't. Like, if you have a really bad cut across your hand, would that affect yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, certainly a bad injury to your hand can really mess you up. I don't know. I guess it could work. Yeah. Who knows what cars were like back then? It's the 1950s, you know? That's a really... And screwdrivers. 
Screwdrivers. Who knows what screwdrivers in the 1950s were like? Definitely and sharp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> George and Lorraine fall in love, and Marty heads to the clock tower so he can go back to the future. Marty drives a DeLorean 88 miles per hour, while Doc won't accept a letter telling him that he's going to die, but does save a fallen wire, and Marty returns successfully to present day 1985. Marty returns a few minutes early to save Doc from the Libyans, but doesn't make it. However, Doc wore a bulletproof vest thanks to the power of taped letters. Marty... Okay. <laughs> yeah. How... There is no chance in that windy storm that <laughs> Doc could have gone and found every little letter. And be like, oh, wait, here's another one. Every, he had every piece there. There wasn't anything missing. At some point, he, was, he found every... Because he ripped it up pretty well and just threw it. Was, it. it was a good rip. I would say, he, I would say it was what, like... Five to seven pieces. It wasn't like he didn't rip seven, it, I think it was one, he didn't rip it two, both ways. three, four. I think or something like that. Okay, so I you think have four. I don't know. That's a good question. How many rips were there? How many rips does it take to get to the center of Doc's letter? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, it wasn't that many pieces. Okay, I thought it was more than six. More than six? That's what I thought. I, I could be wrong. It could be one, two, and it could be four. I think the water from the rain. But was it even raining? Or was it just like straight lightning? No, I think it was just a lightning storm. <sighs> what an event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not raining, so it's not soggy necessarily. No. So I think given Doc and his prowess for inventing things, maybe he has some sort of super program that can reassemble it. And, and it's he also, he must have changed his mind really fast, right? Because if you rip that up, you don't have that much time to find those pieces of paper in a windy storm. Well, I think he's sad that his, his right-hand man's gone. I guess so. I guess as soon as he left, he goes, you know what? Obviously, I'm going to buy that stuff. I think he just realizes, like, I got this good thing going with this kid. I don't know what it is, but we are like thunder and lightning. Tiki Barber and Ron Dane. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. The best thing since Abbott and Costello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I bought it. It was a surprise to me. Honestly, like, watching it this time, I did not remember all the details of the movie. So first, it really shocked me when Doc actually died, because I was like, whoa, I did not remember he dies in this movie. Right. That's a great moment, and that really like sets the intensity of the movie. That's true. Yeah. And then I didn't remember that he tapes the letter. I actually thought, I was trying to piece it together in my head, and what I thought was going to happen was that like Doc built a second DeLorean, and that's the one that comes back at the end. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I could have... Yeah. No, I bought, I bought the letter, and I bought that he had that crazy bulletproof vest with the insane bullet holes. That was out of Terminator. Yeah. Marty returns home, where his family is transformed. His mom and dad are in love. They're rich. His sister is a beauty influencer who boys love. And brother Dave is now a successful businessman. Yet lives at home. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Why is he living at home? He's going to work with a suit every day. Very successful, obviously. You know what I also noticed this time around? I always thought that Jailbird Joey got out of jail or like got parole. That's interesting that they never really... One of the great things about Back to the Future is that everything is so satisfying and like all loose ends are tied. But Jailbird Joey never really has his day. Jailbird Joey has that amazing scene where you see him in the past and he's in the um, like playpen. The crib. Yeah, and Marty's yeah. like, get you those bars. And that's, like, awesome. But, like, I definitely ex 
expected. And for some reason in my mind, like I had fused Dave and Joey. So I thought Joey actually was with them at the end. Ah. Uh, and like, yeah, he like never went to jail or something. Cause right. why not? things are better. Right. But yeah, Joey, uh, he's messed up. <laughs> he's messed up. He's got issues. He just loves being behind bars. <laughs> Biff now shines their car or waxes their car. Marty reunites with Jennifer for a romantic getaway. However, Doc Brown appears in the DeLorean, which now flies, claiming that they have to go to the future. Wait, wait hold on. But you skipped a part that he brought in George's book. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, I was curious about the book was if did he take Darth Vader and Planet Vulcan for himself? Did he steal that from Star Wars and Star Trek and put it into his book? He stole it because Marty told him those names. That's what I'm saying. So theoretically, is like, is George McFly like a millionaire or billionaire at this point? Because is he like the Star Trek Star Wars guy, do you think now? Is he George Lucas, basically? That's what I always thought. Like, maybe not George Lucas, but like really but like, successful. Yeah. But this time I noticed they actually say it's his first book. Ah, okay. I always thought I always thought they were rich because he became a sci-fi writer. Right. Like he wanted to be a sci-fi writer. Right. But what now, what's he doing? What's his job? Exactly. What's his job? I think now he might just have the job that Biff had. Honestly, interesting. And he's like writing on the writing on the side because he loves it. Right. And then finally, he uses all those creative names and things he imagined with Marty to break through and make this first book. I think you're onto something. I think you, that's probably it. Yeah. No, I yeah. always, always thought that he became he was a, a writer. writer. Yeah. Marty reunites with Jennifer for a romantic getaway, but Doc Brown appears in the DeLorean, which flies now, claiming that they have to go to the future to save Marty's kids. The end slash to be continued. Yes. Also, how they were so confident to end it on to be continued. Oh, I, I well, I didn't want to like get ahead of ourselves here should we just start the best moments of the movie i have one big question i want to ask is marty's perception of reality destroyed now when i was thinking about this at first i'm like oh great like everything's better the dad and mom have a better life like the siblings are all better off but then i think more about it and i'm like well, if they're wealthy, like they're probably going on different vacations and like doing different types of things. So every memory that Marty has right now is not real. Wow. Right. That's true. What does he know? What is real for him? He's almost in like inception at this point. He's got to be losing his mind. At least like his relationship with Jennifer is probably pretty new. But every time he's like to his mom and dad, like, oh, remember when we went to grandpa's house? It Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Something right. His parents, his family is going to think he's insane for the rest of his life. Yeah. Now, I would say if the standard person would be absolutely insane, but Marty McFly is just always happy. <laughs> yeah. He's just happy go lucky. Whatever happens, he just goes with it. That's he's his good. thing. He you know, he breaks the, the amp. He sees he's late for school. He just, <laughs> he just surfs on the back of a car. He figures it out. That's Marty for you. If I broke that amp, I would be like, oh my God, my life's over. I'm never going <laughs> to pay this back. No, he can't be five minutes late for school again. He can't be tardy again. Yeah, so let's just dive into our top three moments from the movie. Okay. You want to right. kick us off? Yeah, let me kick us off. All right, there's a lot of great moments. This movie has like a great moment every like 10 minutes. So honorable mentions that I had here, the unveiling of the time machine, when it rolls out of the back of the Dr. Brown 
scientific services 24 7 truck yeah it's like that's amazing great moment that incredible thing is just like as soon as that comes out you're like oh it's about to go down every time the delorean's on screen it's like dynamite delorean may be like one of the best characters of the movie you know in itself it is it's got so much personality another great moment well, I don't know. I don't want to steal any of yours as my honorable mentions. I guess if I say one that's one of yours. I just, I won't acknowledge it. Okay. Maybe I All already right. have. Another great mo moment was what we talked about before. Marty as Darth Vader. Yeah, great. Because there was just something so satisfying about just totally ripping something from the past and using it to your benefit that I think everybody would always want to do. You know, like, like the almanac in the second one or something. Um, oh, it was also wild that in this one, they basically set up the sequel. Like, Doc Brown says at one point, like, no betting. Like, I think he says, like, no, like, betting on the World Series or predicting the World Series or something. But that's another thing that's so amazing about this series is that they set up the other movies so well. Like, for example, in the second one, Doc Brown says he's, his dream has always just been to visit the Wild West. Oh, really? And, I don't even Yeah, remember. and he also says that he's going to get rid of this uh, time machine and just focus on the greatest mystery of the of the the universe. And he looks at the stars. And you're like, oh, what's he gonna say? Like interdimensional thing, uh, transportation or something? And he goes, women. <laughs> so you know that there's That's some funny. there's some female role that he wants to have in his life. Yeah, and they you know, play that out. There's a there's a few things like that that they set up in the second and third one where it's just like perfectly uh, ties the the knot with that one. Another great moment. Um, the skateboarding scene with the manure, right? When he, he takes a little girl's uh, whatever that is and turns it and he invents the skateboard essentially. I wonder if that kid went on to become like Tony Hawk. The, it's his little girl, I think, right? Or is I it think it was boy? the boy. I think there's like a boy and a girl and they have this little like box on wheels or whatever yeah. it is. And I okay. think he gives it to the boy, but who knows? It's definitely a girl in the second one because it's the little pink hoverboard. Uh, yeah, it's so, uh, I, I love the scene in the second one. Fantastic scene. And the last great scene uh, that I have for honorable mention was just the Johnny B. Good scene. Yeah. Worst lip syncing ever, <laughs> right? I mean, like how, like from the second the music starts singing, that's clearly not Michael J. Fox. Still one of the best moments, mu music movie moments that I can remember. It is great. Here's my question on that. Are they insinuating that had this not happened, no, because Johnny B. Good was going to be invented no matter what, right? Yeah, so it's just that, like, his cousin is, like, giving him a jump on it almost. They're insinuating that basically this white high school kid invented <laughs> Johnny B. Good and blues music Terrible. instead of Chuck Berry. Terrible. That's basically what they're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Which, there's some blowback from that. Yeah. Uh, great scene though yeah it's great and I, I just love that like marty that it all comes down to marty having to step up and play music yeah it all comes back it's really just a, it's this is really uh a musical journey more than anything else <laughs> it is he only cares about the music like, that, that's what's so fun about marty is just that like this is not this time travel is like it's not his cause like he no, is no. just along for the ride no it's well he starts to disappear well it he becomes starts to disappear though it becomes his cause because he messes up and makes the decision to follow right, his he dad. He didn't time travel to save Doc. He didn't even do he, it on purpose. He didn't time travel on purpose. It just he, it just it's happened lucky. to him. If, if he didn't happen to time travel, Doc would have died. That's true. His, his life could be real messed up had he not time traveled. Right. If he didn't go 88 miles per hour, 
he everything would be normal. Dead or like in jail as an accomplice to right. terrorists. This is just totally coincidental that he time traveled. Yeah. Whew, really worked out. <laughs> it really worked out for him. Okay, so so those are my honorable moments. Okay. Should I start with number three? Yeah, dive into number uh, three. Okay, wait, I have... I, I couldn't you may or may not have included some of mine. I'm sure I did. Okay, I kind of have four. I'll start... <laughs> it's so hard to choose. There's so many. There's also so many just, like, good throwaway lines. Just, okay. Um, let me just... I'll just say one. The, the intro, the opening, the power of love when soundtrack comes on. You mentioned that. Car surfing, great movie. I okay. love the car surfing. Another one that was tied for uh, number three was when, uh, when Doc Brown connects the circuit at the end and like electrocutes and he goes to Back to the Future. I mean, that is just one thing going wrong after the other as much as you can. And then they just all resolve. It's, it's the equivalent of like watching Steph Curry play basketball and just hit every three-pointer. It's just like on fire and just everything's happening correctly. It just feels so good. Like just as like a, a serotonin like release every time something good happens, you're like, this is amazing. You know what it's a lot like is, um, so for you basketball fans out there, it was like um, similar to Steph Curry, game six of the Golden State Warriors versus the Oklahoma City Thunder when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were on the Thunder. Okay. The Thunder had a giant lead on the on the Warriors, basically. And they were putting them away. There was like 10 minutes left and they're down by like 16 or something. And like the Thunder fans are going crazy and like Golden State's just dead in the water. And that's how it feels with Marty. Like he's been buried so yes. deep in this hole. At the point at which Biff pulls him out of the car, you're just like, how are enough things gonna go right? Totally, it's over. And then Clay Thompson in that game, just keeps he kept keeps hitting these improbable threes that just sort of like keep them alive and they just like keep slowly crawling back and then all of a sudden at the end they hit that last one and you're just like how is this happening wait did we both separately come up with golden state warrior did you just come up with that now or did you have that in your head already i was inspired by you when you talked about steph curry that caused okay. me to go back in time oh i thought remember... you had that i thought you're like dude this feels like that that Warriors game from no. this year. It does, huh? No, it just feels so improbable. It's, just, it's so improbable and so satisfying. Yeah, and him connecting those things, like the wires you know, falling a, a struck down. Of, I mean, he basically gets struck by lightning, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah, a lot of gigawatts. I also love that, like, harpoon cable that they, that they cable. put on the DeLorean. Great cable. It's so yeah. cool. Well, oh, the actual hook you're saying. Yeah, the hook. I like the, the hook. The I also like I like the cable too. It's a very satisfying connection. It looks <laughs> it's like, like. a seatbelt. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've never seen that, but I want to, and I just want to connect it. Yeah, you just and it's they seem so far away. Like he's not yeah. gonna make it happen. Yeah. Okay, so that's my number three. What's your three? My number three scene is George punching Biff. Similar to like how things have just been going wrong the whole movie, there's been so many instances where you just want to shake George and you're just like, please just get a backbone. Like yes. just get a little confidence. And finally they have this like amazing close-up where he closes his fist. Great clenched fist. You're like, oh, it's like Thanos or something. And loads and you kind of believe that he has this like weird guy strength that he actually oh. does because he's got that like little bit of psycho edge to him. totally and he just knocks him out also i don't know if you remember i don't does biff re-emerge or is that like the final time we see biff he re-emerges 
in the second one in the same like he wakes up from getting punched but not in the first one i don't think like this one when i watched it i was like is biff dead <laughs> like i know he's not but like it was that hard of a punch and he was that out cold that i'm like he's should out. be concerned here like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i love i love that moment all right number two okay this scene is great this is like the closest actual time traveling the movie comes or any movie comes it's when he walks into Hill, Hill Valley or Hilldale and Hill Valley. Sandman is playing. And just everything is from the 1950s. Uh, like pulls up to the gas station and all like the, the pit crew comes out. Like the movie theater, all the prices are low. Everything's just like perfect and idealistic. And like, it's just like, whoa, is this what the 50s were like? It's so good. The music and that soundtrack, the, the music just goes with it so perfectly. It doesn't even feel like there's a lot of music in the movie, but every time there's a song, it's an absolute banger. Perfect. Great sound selection. Between the score of like the iconic like theme song that I think like Alan Silvestri wrote and composed yeah. and then both the Huey Lewis and the news songs and then Mr. Sandman and Johnny Be Good. Every single song is memorable. They're all memorable. It's insane. Uh, yeah, no, I love the sense of nostalgia. And then like he goes in and asks for a tab. Or Pepsi free. Hey, if you want free, you're going to have to order something or something like that. Great banter. Something without sugar. All right, here, here's some coffee. And then he just rips the page out of the guy's phone book. <laughs> yes. and holds it up in front of him like he wouldn't care at all. Like, <laughs> I mean, here he is. Phone books were a hot commodity back then. Yeah, he just rips it, puts it right in front of him. No worries. No respect. A life preserver. <laughs> oh, yes. This is something else I realized when watching it this time. How frequently he gets ripped on for that vest. It's happened. Let's see. So definitely in, in the milkshake place. Yeah. They make fun of him there. Then I think at school, someone oh, makes fun of him. I, yeah, think I think Doc, right. someone, someone. Oh, I think Lorraine's parents make fun of him. Yeah. Oh, he's a Coast Guard, I think they asked, or something like that. At one point, someone thinks he's in the Coast Guard. There's like three scenes straight where he gets ripped on for the vest <laughs> until I think he gets shaved into taking the vest off. He doesn't leave it. I still have it on. It's steaming hot at this thing. I don't know how he kept it on the whole time. I'm. But you know what? He, he takes it off. He, sometimes he has just the, the jean jacket, I think, right? He takes it off because he's getting made fun of. Okay, I'm going to pull a Marty McFly and take the vest off because it is a thousand degrees with that thing on. So my number two moment, which you briefly touched on in your honorable mentions, but it really deserves to be higher, is <laughs> Einstein showing up in the car. And... Yes. Yes. So, so I love, I love, love, the, love the whole introduction of the DeLorean. It's amazing. And then I'm going even deeper into it to just the moment when the door opens and Einstein's in the car and there's like all this fog and like smoke pouring out. It just looks so cool. Is it my turn? Okay. So this is your golden moment of the entire this is my golden film. moment. This is such a big decision. Best moment of the whole movie. Best moment of the entire movie maybe even best moment of the entire trilogy it is the very last scene where doc is saying roads where we're going we don't need roads but it is so perfect because it's the very last scene of the movie it like you said it it brings you into the to be continued which i guess they were pretty confident that it was going to have a sequel anyway but 
I don't remember ever seeing a movie ending trying to hook you into a sequel where I was so hooked immediately. Be like, wait a minute, now it's flying? Now it's not even like, where are they going? They're going somewhere in the future where there's flying cars? And what happened with these kids? Like there are so many loose ends and so many awesome kind of like, it's, it finishes it at the, the same time as it leads you on. It's just such a satisfying and like juicy hook. It's like so hard not to start the second movie after that ending. Even if you just see that scene, I want to see what happens next. Totally. And the, I mean, the second one does that as well, but obviously this one's just more iconic. Second one ends great too. You're right. They both have great endings, but I love yeah. the second one. The second one has like a gut punch. Well, but... this, yeah, the second one does have a gut punch. This one is just like, but it does what the same, happened? But it does the same thing where he gets that like, spoilers for Back to the Future Part 2. Um, if you're this deep into it, I think you've probably seen <laughs> Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> but, but yeah, he gets that letter from like, the old west basically great so they, they yeah. also it's crazy that they were so confident and so assured that they were like there's not just going to be a sequel but this is what the sequel needs to be about because we're locking it in right here well i think that right that's true yeah you're right that is true that they made it very clear like this is it this is what it's going to be yeah that is great i mean it's such an amazing shot and like the to be to be continued in that same like back to the future font is just like Awesome. With the music, it was like dun 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 dun. It's like wow. Yeah, it feels like you're getting on the. It feels like you're getting on the ride at Universal. It feels Studios. like you're just getting started. You're just going somewhere, and then it ends. Yeah, wow, that's a great, great pick. <laughs> what, what's yours? What do you got? So, my golden moment of the movie that just is the moment that like really made me fall in love with the movie is. Another one of your honorable mentions, the skate surfing scene where Pooh ends up getting dumped on Biff. Yeah, the manure scene. Yes, I just think Great it's scene. such it's such a fun set piece. I think it's like the best sort of action set piece in the movie, even though like the time travel stuff is a little flashier, but like it kind of just like happens and ends. This is like such a slow build from like the fight to then Marty break, when you realize that's a skateboard there and it's like a callback to the beginning, you're just like, yes. <laughs> like, it's almost like a little microcosm of the whole movie in itself. Yeah, it is. Like him getting the best of Biff in the end, being clever with making the skateboard and having this awesome vehicle that he uses and you know Lorraine falling in love with him and the great music playing in the background. Yeah, and it's like everything we love about Marty is just that he's like a quick thinker. He figures it out, he'll figure it out. <laughs> he's just gonna ride the wave yeah and then just the the ending of like how it wrapping up like it's not like marty just gets away but like for an entire truckload of doo-doo to fall on biff is just very satisfying so as as iconic he's covered and like uh, i just love it yeah it's a great scene and it also has that weird um part to it that it also complicates the story even further what do you mean it seems like it's this huge triumphant moment, but then it ends and you're like, oh no, this actually made things worse because now Lorraine is even more in love with Marty and there's Well, no that's what happens a lot with Back to the Future, right? You get a payoff and a setup at the same time where there's like a lot of times where it's like, ah, resolution. It's like, oh wait, oh, it's not resolution. This is the beginning of another problem. Yeah, it's so it's such like brilliant writing. Yeah. Uh, all right, so those are the top moments. So those are our top moments of Back to the Future. So let's get into a few of the more controversial moments or less beloved moments. Okay. So we have three awards left to give out. We've given out our golden moments. 
Then we're gonna do the flux capacitor, which is anything about the movie you would wanna change. Okay. Then the GOAF award, which is the greatest of all film, okay. AKA the best acting performance in the film, who okay. steals the show. Then the Jar Jar Binks award, which is the worst character or moment in the movie. Biggest swing and a miss. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And there's not cool. many of them in this movie. No, it's hard to pick one. It's really tough. All right, so let's kick it off with our flux capacitor okay. award. What would you change if you could well, go back is, and change? This is, there's not many moments, but this is kind of easy for me. I want to change Michael J. Fox's voice singing Johnny Be Good. Oh, that's good. It to, uh, I don't know how he actually sings. I wouldn't be surprised if he had an okay singing voice. Probably. I mean, I've read that he was brilliant to music in high school, but just a more youthful voice, something more believable, because as soon as he starts singing, it, you kind of... You're not lost in the scene anymore, you know? Right, right. So I would say a more youthful Michael J. Foxing sounding voice for Johnny B. Good. It doesn't it doesn't bother me that much, but I totally see. There's not many choices to pick from in this. I mean, if you go back and you, you change one little moment, you're really changing the entire time space continuum. That's what's so scary about it. You're like, and mine I real is really has a, a lot of potential for that. But like what's yours? So mine, we touched on this earlier. My flux capacitor is Marty's plan to scare away Lorraine. Oh, okay. So I'm saying he workshops it a bit, and his plan isn't to get, like, handsy or whatever with her. He thinks of something a little more innocent. Right. Like robbery or something. Yeah, exactly. Robbery, a weird confession. Right. That would have been the peeping time would have been interesting to see how that played out. I, I like that now. I think it's it's almost leading a little too much into the peeping top thing. Like, yeah, it's yeah. almost better. It's almost better that they just <laughs> did it and moved on. Yeah, it's just like all right, this happened. Let's keep going. Yeah, like let's not reference this. Yeah, again. let's just let's just move on. It wasn't the finest moment for George right. McFly, <laughs> um, but I do I do think his plan is just like like it's weird enough that you have this whole thing with with your mom in the past but like your big plan is to get gropey like come on well this, they tried to so this movie got shot down 44 times before really? it got greenlit yeah 44 44 they went to disney once to see if they were interested in it and disney said there's no way we can't make a movie about incest i'm glad someone was at least like right <laughs> <watching it. laughs> Now we are going to hand out the GOAF Award, the greatest okay. of all film. Who is your actor who steals the movie? You, you kind of got to give it to Doc, right? I mean, I got to give it to Doc. He's just like, you know, he is a character. He's almost, he's like as close to like a cartoon character <laughs> in real life form as you could get. And yeah. it's just like, I mean, that's why it's kind of like an uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? It's like, this guy is really on the line of being a cartoon character right now. Uh, he's, He's crazy, he deals with terrorists, he builds terrorist bombs, and you still love him. But my, my answer is also Doc. Yeah. I just I just I wanted to like consider other people, but there was just There's not no that many way. characters. Well that Doc Doc's just dialed up to another level. He it, I just think Doc is back to the future. Yeah, exactly. Like and the, the crazy thing about it is like how much information and exposition he's just throwing at the audience at a mile a minute. And in any other movie, you would be like, This is gobbledygook. Like this is so stupid. Right. But, but you're you, just you're fascinated. Like, okay, in nineteen eighty five, okay, the flux capacitor hit his head, all right. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm with you, Doc. Let's keep going. All right. How many gigawatts was that? <laughs> 1.21. Yeah, everybody remembers 1.21 gigawatts. Like, that's that's not common. So, yeah, unanimous, unanimous go winner. Doc. Doc Brown. Okay, and now our Jar Jar Binks Award. Jar Jar Binks Award. This is tough with this one. Really tough. Really so this tough. is big, biggest swing and a miss or biggest flaw of the movie or what's it exactly? A moment, scene, or a character that you think is the worst part of the movie? This is so minor. So the one that I, I've chosen is such a minor part. The only scene, I feel like every scene contributes to the story and progresses the story and moves it forward, except for the, the scene where they're eating dinner in Lorraine's parents' house. Oh. And they're just kind of talking. It's just, they, they could have gotten rid of that whole scene and wouldn't really have changed anything, which there's not many scenes like that in Back to the Future. Most of them kind of play onto the next one or something future or something else. There's even some good jokes about it, like how he brings up reruns and like, what's a rerun? You know, and stuff like that. It's the, the only table, scene that kind of them bringing the TV to the table and exactly. them referencing Jailbird Joey's so funny. That is interesting. Right. Did it progress the story? Because um, we no, already... he could have he could have woken up in Lorraine's uh, a bedroom and say, "Whoa, what's going on here?" and then just run out because they ask him, "Do you want to stay for dessert or do you want to stay over?" and he says, "No, no, no, I gotta go." And he runs away and he runs to docks. Yeah, is there anything they like mention? I wonder if they had like brought up like the under the sea dance or something in that scene. But who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. There's some fun. There's some fun jokes with like them wanting to call Marty's parents. Um, yeah, but yeah. You could you could have probably gotten away with it. It's a good it's a good pick. It's so funny because like I just like love that joke of like the his uncle being behind bars. Yeah, it's great. It's still not a bad scene. No, and that didn't even like cross my mind as yeah. that, as that scene. But that's a good well, pick because it's definitely yours? a slam dunk. My Jar Jar Binks award is at the dance when the nerd cuts in on George and Lorraine dancing. That's a great moment, though. No, no. So the, listen to the reason how okay. the cat's in the background. Um, so it's not the actual scene itself. It's that it's George's response to it when he stands up for himself. He, like, okay. throws that nerd to the ground. <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you really just escalated pretty fast. <laughs> let's not let's not become the thing you hated. <laughs> right, right. George becomes Biff. George becomes this huge bully that tor like torments the school. Yeah, like there's different levels of standing up for yourself. You can just be like, hey man, she's here with me. We're gonna right. dance. Step off. And then if that kid chooses to like physically escalate it, then I think it would be okay for him to take that kind of action right but to just go straight from like not doing anything and being like stolen away by this weird nerd bully to right. then running up and throwing him away he's gone he's that's a stiff stiff arm to the next room you can't just be throwing around violence like that it's 1985 no. that's good that's a pretty funny one cool so those those are some good picks for jar jar binks oh wow we have game number two it is spinoff oh spinoff time you should do a cool graphic of something spinning. Now it is time to play Spinoff, the game where both contestants are randomly assigned a secondary character from the movie, and you must improvise an original spinoff starring them. So our options for spinoff today for Back to the Future are number one, Doc. Number two, Biff. Number three, 
Lorraine, Marty's mom. Number four, George, Marty's dad. Number five, Mayor Goldie Wilson. And number six, Uncle Jailbird Joey. Let's get spinny. <laughs> so here is your first roll in the game of spinoff. Oh, so you have rolled a two. That means you must create a spinoff movie for Biff. All right, so Biff, the movie ends with him owning a uh, automotive detailing company. He keeps on working on his craft until years down the line, he turns into this, this run and gun uh, street racer. Okay. And so he runs into the rock from Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> and Biff is in Too Fast, Too Furious as like the mechanic for like the rock or like Paul Walker or something like that. Or maybe he's like a boss that you have to beat, you know? He's like yeah. the, one of the head guys. And yeah, it's just Biff's automotive detail is like the <laughs> final guy that you have to be. I could actually see Biff standing toe to toe with Vin Diesel, at least Vin Diesel, maybe not Vin Rock, Diesel, yeah. But Vin Diesel, I think Biff could definitely give Vin Diesel a decent fight. Too fast to the future. Oh, good name, oh. good name, good name. <laughs> Too fast to the future. That I feel like they will make. All right, my turn. Goldie Wilson. Oh, perfect. Okay, so I've rolled a five, and I have Mayor Goldie Wilson. Okay. Here we go. So, this is a political biopic, like a thriller, about the life of Goldie Wilson. Um, he has had a tough life. So, basically, he has to overcome sort of uh, racial injustice in the first right. part of the movie. This is just like the first act of the movie, just like showing what he's dealing with, showing prejudice, him rising to become mayor. Um, and just like the come up and then the second part of the movie is the backlash in his town when it's discovered that plutonium has been stolen <laughs> and there are there's a terrorist organization operating <laughs> in hill valley and goldie wilson has to mix a he has to put the pieces together to figure out sort of like the mystery <laughs> of what happened but then b he has to clean it up and explain that he's like because at this point, he's really the worst mayor in the world. Um, because plutonium was being stolen from under his nose? Everyone knew this scientist was bad news, and they did nothing about it. <laughs> and he brought, he brought plutonium in, he brought terrorists in, and they had bazookas. This is a nice suburban town, and terrorists are driving around with bazookas. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's pretty dangerous. Yeah, the whole town wants his head. And basically, Goldie Wilson gets, like, fired. He has to move across the country. But this is Goldie Wilson. He's been through it all. So, like, the third act of it is him, like, pulling himself up and helping out with... Maybe maybe he takes on and becomes, like, Colin Kaepernick's advocate. Okay. <laughs> Does that timeline even match? Yeah, he's, like, old. Like, he's, like, recluse for, for a while, and then he becomes, like, a leader in that movement. That's a great movie. Now, does it go until his death, or what are we talking here? Does it end with, like, one magnanimous event or thing that he does? So, okay, here it is. start he, when he's a little boy? So, yeah, it starts when he's a boy. It takes his okay. whole life. And as he gets old, sort of, he gets involved in the social justice movement. The film ends with um, President 
Kamala Harris giving him like a medal of honor for the end of racism bill that they've just signed into action. But then Doc appears in a time. <laughs> no, Biff steps out in a DeLorean. And, oh, yeah, Biff exactly, steps out. Exactly. Right. So the DeLorean comes on screen and everybody says, Doc's about to get out. Yeah. No. You it's think it's Biff. good? Yeah. It's Biff. And Biff, like, Biff, Biff pulls out like a rifle and he's going to take a shot at Goldie Wilson. But earlier in the scene, we set, we set up this relationship between Goldie Wilson and this local like karate dojo owner. And, and Goldie Wilson's been learning to roundhouse kick through his like 40s. And he just hits a mean... Wait, wait, with, with the, like a broomstick or something that he used, that he trained while he was working as custodian. Like there's a broom near him or a mop, whatever he was using in that scene. And he picks it up and like this is an action thing. Yeah, like maybe like place. him and the him and the sensei when they're working out a bit. Like Goldie Wilson, the sensei's like, you know, some people just aren't meant to use their hands. Like you're more of a speaker. Like maybe karate's just not for you. But then Goldie Wilson realizes that some of the moves are just like sweeping, and he had all that sweeping experience. <laughs> so, so that at this key moment, he grabs the broom, knocks it away from Biff, and Biff is finally put behind bars. Wow. Great. great. My end. favorite part is that it is 99.9% non-science fiction, except for the very last scene where everything comes together. Perfect. Goldie Wilson's had an incredible life. <laughs> All right, and that is spinoff. Thank you for playing, Jesse. We have some good movies. Uh, Hollywood Agents, you have our numbers. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Okay, so that brings us to the final question. Oh, okay. This is the big question of Back to the Future. Every time we do a movie on this show, the big thing is to compare it to another movie and see if we're ready to say, is it better than blank? It's really tough to find a movie that would stack up well. It's gonna have to be a really good movie. But I think I have one that's difficult. All right. Okay. I think I know what you're gonna say. I think you we'll might see. be surprised. Let, let me, let's do this. Let me write it down, and I'll fold oh, so it. So you can pull it out at the end? I'll pull it, if, if it's right. I want to I write down what you think you're writing down. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's funny. Just writing down what we think we're other person's thinking. Because there's not many. No, it's really a collection. It's, there's really, like, maybe five movies you could reasonably throw into this category. And I think even five is pushing okay. it. So I just wrote it. It's right in here. Okay, I've written it. I've written mine on the back of this note card. We will reveal it after we dive into is Back to the Future better than <laughs> Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh man, dang, that's hard. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. Plot twist. <laughs> yeah, plot twist for sure. Um. They're so close. Really Whoever close. Whoever has the edge, it's just like very barely. Personally, man, this is so hard. Uh, are we comparing Back to the Future 1 to yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Just 1 versus 1. Okay. Imagine there were never any sequels made for either movie. Ah, why do you have to do this to me? Um... Uh, I think I'm going to say 
Indiana Jones. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I think I'm going to say Indiana Jones because what I love what Indiana Jones does, at least for me personally, is that he launched me into loving science, you know, mm -hmm. and like getting outside and like, like learning stuff. And like there's this element of it's like kind of something beyond the movie, you know? Doc Brown didn't make you fall in love with science? No, I'm not a physics guy or oh, whatever. Okay. He does. Quantum you know, mechanics, maybe? Quantum, I don't know. Yeah, mechanical engineer or whatever. Gobbledygook. <laughs> I think the settings are in exotic places in Indiana Jones, maybe, instead of just a suburb. In terms of other characters, there's more better characters in Back to the Future than Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is kind of really just Indiana Jones. Yeah, especially that first one. You're really yeah. not... I mean, there's fun, like, side characters, but not the same, like, with Back to the Future. Not the same level, like, though. Um, but yeah, there's, there's an element of just like a world hopping thing with Indiana Jones where he's just on a world adventure that kind of just makes the scale. Huge. Yeah. It's a big spectacle. It's a big spectacle. So I think I'm going to give it to Indiana Jones by like that much. All right. According what about to you. Okay. So is back to the future better than Indiana Jones? I will not be revealing my answer today. I will be revealing it. In a video coming soon titled wow. Back to the Future versus Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost wow. Star. <laughs> that's my little yeah. that's my little to be continued moment. Well, I took, that's a I good took one. a page from That's Zemeckis. a good one. I'll also tell you what happened to your kids that uh, have been kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure to watch the video. Are you prepared to reveal what you thought? Yeah, so I was going to write. Let me tell you what I thought you were and gonna write. And what I thought you thought I was going to say. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to stick with the Robert Zemeckis catalog oh. and go Forrest Gump. Oh, interesting. Because Forrest Gump was his other amazing movie. Yeah, very interesting. I didn't even think of that. So that's huh. where I thought you were headed with it, which would have been oh. a very hard uh, That would have been a tough well. one. I probably would have gone back to future hands down for that one. Yeah. Um, but the other one, which I'm not prepared to disclose my answer for i thought you were going to predict jurassic park jurassic park yeah it just seemed natural like they're very close on that level it's it's yeah. kind of like an indiana jones like just like a a classic classic adventure it. yeah they're yeah. all yeah that adventure genre i feel like just doesn't get the love it really got during this well, they late tried. 80s 90s the cgi is just like it's too big it's too much they're, it's taking these movies that we're talking about are so great because of their stories. They have really compelling stories. And I feel like the stories are just being left behind a lot. And it's just all about special effects and CGI a lot. And it's just. It's tough too, because when in the eighties and the early nineties, like they were breaking a lot of ground on things that just like we couldn't have seen in a movie before. So they kind of snatched up some of the really great, original ideas like what like, like the first version of everything basically like you get in 79 well, cgi cgi you can do literally anything no i know but like i'm saying like they, these first wave blockbusters snatched up all these like ideas to the point. oh like just easy clever ideas yeah to the point that now like you can definitely still make good movies but it doesn't it's not necessarily as fresh it feels like you're like referencing right. like if you're making a time travel movie it feels like you're referencing back to the future right. if you're making a dinosaur movie it feels like you're referencing jurassic that's park that's a good point that's yeah. true 
Same with shark movies, despite Sharknado. how amazing. Yeah, Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> the classics. I love Deep Blue Sea. But, um, Classic, great movie. Yeah, yes. So yeah, do you have any, any final thoughts, anything we didn't get to discuss? I think one of the questions we skipped over or we talked about was other actors playing these characters. We talked about like Tom Holland and other people for Marty. All right, <laughs> what about for Doc Brown? Larry David. <laughs> That's so funny. That it's, would be entertaining. I would watch that. It'd be such a different movie, but I could not help myself but to watch that immediately. It'd be so bad, it would be terrific. He would just be like being annoyed the whole time about whatever's going on. Just shooting great. everyone down. He's kind of like, I almost feel like, um, like with like Rick and Morty, like Rick is almost, if you crossed right. Doc Brown with Larry David. Yes, yes. Which is real rude. <laughs> Do you have, what would be your time travel vehicle of choice? Okay, what about stick with Marty McFly's love of music and stuff? When he plays a song from a certain year, he goes Ooh, to that year. Whoa, I feel like you shouldn't even give that one away on the internet. That's such a good idea. <laughs> That's I don't know how he'd go back to like Stone Age or anything like that, but he can't. Maybe yeah. he, drums. He can go to yeah, that's true. <laughs> like a bang 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 tap by Goop <laughs> That's that's like a fun, really fun concept. You'd have to be a great musician to be able to play all that stuff. Okay, so thank you everybody so much for listening to us ramble about Back to the Future. It was delightful. Thank you, Jesse, for joining me today. Um, where else can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so I have my own YouTube channel called Rugged Research. I travel around the country with wildlife biologists and film them and have fun with them while they study animals like bison and cougars and salamanders and all that kind of stuff. So Rugged Research, go check it out. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. I hope to come back on the show sometime down the road. <laughs> road? Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>